I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Weather the dollar. The Federal Reserve is sounding determined to tighten monetary policy gradually, pointing to softer than expected inflation. Although the US central bank could start to shrink its $4.5 trillion balance sheet as early as next month, the tone of this week's statement from the US means that there are growing doubts about a third 2017 rate rise happening at all. I'm Michael Hunter, and this is Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast on the world currency market. Joining me to measure the Fed's words and define the outlook for the world's reserve currency is Stephen Gallo, European Head of FX Strategy at the Bank of Montreal. Stephen, welcome. The dollar index, just before we've met to speak, has hit a 14-month low. It's weaker against all of its major rivals. What's your take on what's going on? So our take on what the situation is currently for the US dollar is that the market has moved from pricing in Fed normalization and just very modest growth abroad, so U.S. outperformance to a situation that basically reflects middling growth and prospects economically in the United States and stable to actually quite healthy conditions outside of the United States abroad. Effectively, what that is for the dollar is a movement along the dollar smile. So we're seeing the dollar weaken and what's feeding the dollar weakness is a steady trade deficit with the rest of the world and the likely expansion, very likely expansion, of the fiscal account deficit on the basis of tax cuts in the United States. The most important causal point for this weakening of the dollar is the impending failure at significant corporate tax reform in the U.S. And the worries about legislative logjam on Capitol Hill and the White House's inability to enact legislation, making the Trump reflation trade look overstated. Tell us a little bit, would you please, about the dollar smile for context? So, as I said, what the market was effectively pricing in before was basically the Fed being the sole normalizer as far as monetary policy is concerned, and some chance of significant movement on corporate tax reform, which would have been growth positive. It would also have probably been trade positive and dollar positive as well. And we've run a little bit ahead of events, haven't we, in terms of the valuation of the dollar. That smiling dollar has run ahead of those realities being delivered. Um, At the same time, we have this sort of dovish, increasingly dovish feel to what's happening with the Federal Reserve and how it goes about shrinking that balance sheet, which is effectively a form of monetary tightening all of its own. Um, Is there any way out from this combination of bearish factors for the dollar? Can you see any, any... exit from the current bout of selling. risks have really shifted. So, for example, if the Fed were to now stick with its original cadence, cadence for rate hikes next year, that would end up being dollar positive because basically the market has only one 
rate hike priced in now by the end of 2018. That's a significant repricing of the Fed. The last time the Fed communicated to us with its forecasts, it was saying more, at least more than one rate hike in 2018. So that would be dollar positive. And some surprise, some surprising victories on, on, on the side of corporate tax reform in the United States. But both of those factors look less and less likely. Um, and we're in thin summer markets. Uh, and that is going to exacerbate moves. You also have a dearth of reserve currencies that are eligible to shoulder the burden with the dollar. One in particular, though, as you know, is the euro because of its size, its liquidity, and also because the ECB is beginning its process of normalization. Now, we, we think that process is going to be very slow and gradual, but they are starting the process, and that's feeding. It's helping to feed the move in the dollar. You mentioned the DXY. That's 80% Europe. So it's 60% Euro, and it's Sterling, Swissy, and Sweden. That's basically what the DXY is. So Euro is outperforming in G10 year-to-date. So even though we have tighter policy on the horizon, albeit less of it, less quickly at the Fed, and all the European Central Bank is doing is looking at telling us how and when it's going to go about reducing its 60 billion euro a month bond buying stimulus programs it's some way behind the fed in terms of where it actually is it's the clashing outlooks the change in tone there which is helping the euro rise it's the flip in expectations for monetary policy but how sensitive are we going to have to be to every utterance from mario draghi the ecb president quite quite sensitive, particularly because this move in euro dollar has been driven by A, weakening dollar, and B, mainly swap rate differentials at the longer end of the curve moving in the euro's favor. We haven't really seen front end rates moving yet. They're not driving this move. Now, that poses a vulnerability for euro longs, because effectively, if you're long euros, you're getting penalized on the carry. And also, euro is above short run fair value because it's above short run short-term swap rate differentials. So there's a whole load of technical factors there which are continuing the trend. None of this is counter-trend. None of this is telling us it's time to look again at where everything's heading. I think the the, the points I just highlighted on the euro being slightly above short-run fair value means I think you should pick your levels wisely. Okay. Uh, you, shouldn't buy, you, you shouldn't buy on every rally. Rather, you should look to buy the dips in, in, in euro dollar. Uh, but yes, broadly speaking, you have a number of factors on the dollar side and also on the euro side, which are feeding this move and likely to continue to do so. Now, in August, there's always a seasonal slip in the amount of QE that the European Central Bank does in the marketplace, the amount of bond buying, the $60 billion yeah. A month thing is, is is an average. Is there anything useful that price action around that seasonal slip might tell us this August? It's a good point. Um, it's possible that we can see a continuation of the ECB underweighting Germany and overweighting countries like France and Italy. This would be euro positive because a it would keep spreads credit spreads tight, uh, and b it would probably be positive for German yields, which would provide some underlying support to the euro because obviously the aggregate yield in Europe is weighted by GDP, and Germany is the largest Eurozone economy. And we've had some quite eye-catching moves today in the Swiss franc. Correct. It's weakened to its lowest since the SMB shock removal of the trading cap against the dollar in 2015. What's going on there? I mean, I, this, this is, I think this is a move that has the potential to get really out of control unless the SNB starts to send some prominent signals about how fast it actually thinks the franc should weaken. The, the problem is the SNB has for now years been saying the franc 
is significantly overvalued. So in the mind of the FX market, you have this asymmetrical one-way risk for the franc. They think all it needs to do is go down. If you look at Switzerland's balance of payments, the current account surplus is massive, and it actually suggests that the currency is undervalued rather than overvalued. So my view is that as the euro continues to creep higher and as the ECB continues to normalize policy, the SMB will be doing the same thing. And the effect of that will be to slow the sell-off in the franc down. And there's going to be a whole series of further read-acrosses from these two twin trends, the main trends with the euro, the main trends with the dollar. There's an awful lot to look out for for the rest of the year, isn't there, around these these sort of second round effects on currencies like the Swissy that have to track these trends themselves. Yes. What I'm keen to know is, what are you looking for around there when we've seen the Swissy today? I mean, who's next? Yes. Look, what I would say to you is that we recently moved our numbers around for the dollar. We think the dollar will depreciate 4 to 5%, but that's over the coming 12 months. So that's yeah. a slower pace of depreciation than we've seen in the first half of the year. That's going to be driven by a shifting economic and political outlook in the United States. And you have to think that if that is shifting in that direction, it's also going to slow the pace of normalization down from other major central banks, Bank of Canada, European Central Bank. So we're in a stage right now where things look pretty rosy for the rest of the world vis-a-vis the United States, and that's fueling weakness in the dollar. But eventually, we'll get to a point where central banks respond to potentially a weakening outlook in the United States by slowing their own paces of monetary policy. Uh, normalization. And rather briskly, we can't not look at the Bank of England, which has a rate call next week. The MPC, the Monetary Policy Committee, they're very finely balanced between the Hawks and the Doves. We've had some softer data that maybe has taken the edge off the Hawks a little bit. Very briefly, what do you think we should be looking for there? The way Haldane described it in his June remarks, he basically said that even if the bank delivers a 25 basis point hike over the balance of 2017, monetary policy conditions will still be looser now than they were a year or so ago uh, after the Bank of England eased in in August. And I assume that's partially because of the stock of QE, the stock of bond buys that the BOE has delivered. We don't really see it as likely that the bank will want to completely get rid of that insurance rate hike potential. We don't see why they would want to drop it now, considering that other major central banks are normalizing. And what would happen to sterling is that it would get left behind in this rally in other currencies vis-a-vis the US dollar. And I don't think that's a, a favorable situation for the BOE to be in. Our view is that going into the BOE, FX investors should look for long opportunities in sterling on the chance that they leave that chance of an insurance hike embedded in, in expectations. Okay. So there's plenty to watch as the year 2017 continues and policy normalization can continues to leave us with plenty of things to track and plenty of puzzles out in the world's single biggest market. With that, we're at the end of our time. Stephen Gallo, European Head of FX Strategy at the Bank of Montreal, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks also to you for listening to Hard Currency. Until next week, you can keep up with all the latest news at ft.com slash markets and at fat. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
podcast FT.